In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear saints of God, Jesus cleanses the temple twice. He does it once at the beginning of His ministry. Uh, John chapter 2 gives us the account. He makes a whip of cords and He drives out all the sellers. It's fitting that He begins His ministry in this way. But then He does it again at the very end of His ministry. In fact, on Holy Monday. That's the Monday before Monday, Thursday and Good Friday. It's the, it's the beginning of the week that He dies. It's the day after the triumphal entry. Jesus enters into the temple and He drives out all those that were conducting business there and He sets up shop, teaching. That's what the text is about. Luke chapter 19. And this, and this cleansing of the temple and this preaching of judgment that Jesus gives is really quite stunning. It's quite final. It, it is... Uh, it is a warning with great severity for us to give heed. But first, we ought to just simply consider this. Why are we reading it today in the middle of the summer? And why not wait till uh, Lent or Holy Week to have the text? The answer is this Sunday, the 10th Sunday after Trinity, is the Sunday that most often falls closest to August the 10th, uh, which is a very significant date. August the 10th in the year 70 A.D. is the year that the Lord sent His final destruction to the temple in Jerusalem. August the 10th in the year 70 is the day that the Roman armies finished their conquest. They had surrounded Jerusalem and now they've broken down the walls and now they come to the temple and now they don't leave stone upon a stone. In fact, they set the whole temple on fire because gold that had plated the internal walls of the temple had fallen in between the cracks and they broke down all of these stones to get to the gold. The, the, the promise of Jesus is completely fulfilled. Not one stone will stand upon another here in this place. Josephus wrote about it, about the siege, and about this war, and about this destruction. And so pivotal is this historical event, the destruction of Jerusalem in the year 70 A.D., that in the ancient church they used to read that account of Josephus on the 10th Sunday of Trinity in place of the Old Testament lesson. Look at how the words of our Lord Jesus come true. So let's do it ourselves. Let's look at the words that Jesus has and consider what they have to say for us. That really is the second question. What is going on in the text? Generally, we hear that Jesus, when he goes to cleanse the temple, is fussing over all of the business in the temple. And especially that the business in the temple was corrupt. It was unfair. That they were charging this super high exchange rate. Because to do business in the temple, you had to have a temple shekel. Remember this? And the only place you could get it is in the temple so they could artificially inflate the price of this thing to do business there. And people say Jesus was, uh, was getting after this. But I think there, in fact, I know there's something more going on in the text because when Jesus, when Jesus says that you have take take my house, take the Lord's house, which should be a house of prayer, and you've made it into a den of thieves, Jesus is quoting Jeremiah. In fact, he's quoting Jeremiah chapter seven verse eleven, and Jeremiah in chapter seven is not talking about theft at all. Here, I'll read the text. Jeremiah chapter seven, verses one to eleven. And listen to what Jeremiah is calling theft. The word of the Lord came from, from, to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you Judah who enter into the gates to worship the Lord. 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust the lying words saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave your fathers forever and ever. But behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal? Murder? Commit adultery? Swear falsely? Burn incense to Baal? And walk after other gods whom you do not know? And then come and stand before me in the house which is called by my name and say, We're delivered to do all these abominations? Has this my house which is called by my name become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. The people were thieves because they were not giving to God what they owed to Him and they were not giving to their neighbor what they owed to them. Instead of giving God faith and worshiping Him, they had turned to Baal and, and, and offered incense to the false gods. And instead of giving to their neighbor the love that they owed to them, they instead were murdering and stealing and speaking falsely and breaking all of the Ten Commandments. And then they would go into the temple and say, because I'm here in the temple, because I'm offering this sacrifice, because I'm doing this good deed, everything will be all right. And this is their theft. They are stealing from God the thing which is most dear to Him, and that is that He would be their Savior, the one that would forgive their sins, the one who would have mercy. They played the hypocrite. They came to the temple and they offered a sacrifice and they thought, because I'm here doing this good, then God must be happy with me. Have you ever considered, the, the? and this I think is a, an important detail in the text of the cleansing of the temple, that the people that Jesus is getting after, the people that Jesus is throwing out are the people that are in church, the people that are at the temple. They're not the people that are home watching football or golf or something. They're not the people that are out living some sort of debaucherous life. They're right there at the temple. They're, they're paying this money so that they can offer the sacrifices, the sacrifices that God Himself commanded. But God had commanded these sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins and not as an excuse for sin, not as some sort of bribery. Look, God, I'm giving you this sacrifice. Now you have to be good to me. No. This is the worst type of idolatry. To, to change the gospel, which is the forgiveness of sins, as into an excuse to sin. As if we could sin more so that God's grace would abound. But this is precisely what's going on at the temple. And this is bad because God had given the temple for their good. And they abuse it. They, they use the temple and try to use it to bribe God. Now this all comes to a head in the preaching of Jesus. 
Because God had warned His Old Testament people over and over, year after year, prophet after prophet, that if they did not keep the covenant, that is, if they did not serve God by faith and serve their neighbor in love, that bad things would happen. In fact, there's a kind of a sliding scale of threats. The four D's. Deprivation. And then, if that did not cause repentance, devastation. And if that did not cause repentance, deportation. And then finally, if that was not enough, destruction. For breaking the covenant, the people would get this. There was a massive if in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. If the people did well, then God would give them economic prosperity and political security. But if they did not do well, then the Lord would visit them with all of these terrible things. But now, with Jesus in the temple, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back is about to drop. The final abomination is about to, to happen. For they have the fulfillment of everything that God had promised right there in Jesus. And rather than believing in Him and trusting in Him, they want to kill Him. If you had recognized, said Jesus, the things that make for your peace, it would be well with you. But you have not recognized those things. Namely, says Jesus, you have not recognized Me. And the result of that... Not a stone left upon a stone in the temple. Not a person left free from suffering in Jerusalem. It all comes to an end. The Old Testament is closed. The final chapter is written. God's people, Israel, are done just as Jesus promised. So what does this mean for us? How can this text, this preaching of Jesus, and the destruction of Jerusalem, which He promised, how can it teach us? The first thing is this. God is not nice. I think that is the, one of the marks of the idolatrous theology of our time. To say that God is a nice guy. That He doesn't mind when we sin. That we can take His word and His name and abuse it as much as we want and that punishment will never follow. Wrong. God is not nice. He never promises to be nice. He promises many things to be loving and long-suffering and merciful, but not to be nice. Not to put up with sin. This is, by the way, I think the... The worst abuse of the gospel is that, is that instead of using the gospel, which is the Lord's most precious word of all, as a forgiveness of our sins, we use it as an excuse for sin. That's what the people of Israel did. Oh, we'll just go and do this and that. We'll commit adultery and idolatry. We'll commit theft and murder. And surely we'll go to the temple and God will forgive us. And we do the same thing. The devil tempts us in the same way. Oh, don't worry about that particular sin. Don't be troubled with that temptation. God will forgive you. No, God is not nice. He's patient, but His patience comes to an end. There is a judgment on all manner of sin. And His wrath awaits for those who do not believe. But while the text teaches us that God is not nice, it teaches us even more surely that God is good. 
For all of the abominations of Israel, all of their unbelief, all of their idolatry, all of their flight from God's word, all of their abuse from his name, all of their, of their rebellion and murder and adultery and theft and lying, all of this which, which heaped up God's wrath, which was manifest in the destruction of Jerusalem, all of this comes after God first destroys his own son. God will not destroy Jerusalem until he first destroys Jesus. He provides a way of escape. He provides his promised deliverance. He provides Jesus bleeding and dying on the cross for you, suffering the judgment that you should have and that the people of Israel should have. He provides that first. He brings to you mercy and love and kindness and undeserved forgiveness. He brings that to you freely. No ifs involved. No conditions attached. He simply comes with joy and with mercy and says, You're mine. You're forgiven. You belong to me. God's patience will come to an end. But God's love will not. His mercy will not. His forgiveness will not. His love for you knows no bounds. His forgiveness knows no limits. His mercy has no boundaries. They were all obliterated by Jesus on the cross. For he would rather destroy his son than destroy you. And he has done it. So that we might have life. And that we might have salvation. We today, dear saints, know the things that make for our peace. We recognize them. We know them without doubt. And those things are the things of Jesus. The word of his cross. His death and resurrection. For you. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding... Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.